0: this series in the story, and it's basically just been an overview of the book of the Bible from the beginning of the year all the way up till now, Old Testament, New Testament, and we're going to continue this week. Um, before I get going, though, I kind of had a—you ever have like a reflective two or three days, you know what I'm talking about, where you just kind of, you know, s- kind of self-reflect, and you think about life, and, and uh, you look like you're a little down, but you're really not down. You're just kind of reflecting on things. That was my last few days of life here, and I just want to tell you, I came out of thinking, uh, I just want to say how thankful I am to you as a congregation on how much you have blessed and ministered to my family. I was I was looking at some pictures of you know my daughters and and son. I only have one daughter and sons, uh, kind of running around the church and playing together with with some of your kids. And it's been such a blessing uh, for us coming off kind of three rough years in Chicago where we lived, and to come here and and uh, I don't know if you think sometimes you know as the pastor you you just roll into these situa- these roles and you know and and we're, we're all happy and, and, and fun all the time. But, uh, you know, for three years, the Lord has really ministered to us. It's been a great place. And I, I recognize you're a huge, huge part of that. So I appreciate that. Uh, I just want to tell you that as we get started uh, this morning. I mean, I, I realize we're not a perfect church. Uh, we got, uh, we've got our things, probably, we're working on. We're a work in progress, the same as any church. In fact, we're going to hit on a couple of those as we get going this morning. But it's been such a blessing for my family to be a part of you. And, and uh, I, I hope it's been the same as well. But uh, anyhow, so that's the sappy part of the morning. So now let's get, to the, uh, let's get to the meat of what we're talking about. I hope you've picked up on the last two weeks when we talked about Paul, who, who really is my favorite character of the New Testament, that this word mission is loud and clear when you talk about Paul. I mean, it is clear that Paul is gung-ho to accomplish something. It's like some of these coaching stories you might read about sometimes, and it just seemed like whatever that coach did on that particular team, championship or otherwise, they just seemed to be wired different, had this goal, they were driven. Well, Paul is driven to the max in what he does for God's kingdom. And so this word mission has been part of our last two weeks. I want you to think about it another way though this morning, another word that comes into play, and it's this word purpose. You ever use that? Uh, The word purpose. We're going to talk about this word this morning as it pertains to Paul, and I really think more so as it pertains to us. So if you happen to get in here this morning and uh, you, you didn't get one of these, uh, just feel free to hop up, slip up your hand. Richard's in the back. He's going to bring you one uh, right now, and uh, you'll have those. There should be a pin on your seat, um, and you'll be able to, to kind of follow along. But we're going to talk about this word purpose. Every single one of you has purpose Now, notice how I said it this morning, and I want to make sure you hear it the right way. I did not say you have a purpose, though you do, but you have purpose. You see, God has designed every single one of you with purpose. In fact, as believers, we're going to get into this, all of our purpose is really the same when we think about purpose. Now, we have roles and callings that are very different, we'll talk about that in a minute, but we all have purpose, we all have meaning in God's kingdom. Now, when I was playing college baseball, um, I started off uh, my very first year and uh, I set the bench pretty much. In fact, I was a red shirt, which, if you're not familiar with what red shirts is, that means you're not even technically on the roster. Uh, you can't play in a game that year. Now, you're allowed an extra year of eligibility because of it. So, that first year, I basically, the whole year, um, I kept a chart. Basically, for the, the hitters. I clipboard, you know, mark things off. That was my job the whole year. My second year, though, I, you know, actually a real team member, and I, I played just, just a little bit here or there. I got to, to play in the games. Usually the score was something like 18 to 4. We were up or down, and they're, all right, Raven, get in there. It's your turn. You know, you can't mess anything up now. And uh, by my junior year, though, I started to have a little bit more significant time. And I was in the baseball world what you call a, def- a defensive replacement. Are you familiar with this term? It basically means that somewhere around the seventh or eighth inning, if your team is up, by, but not by too much, you know, enough that the other team could make a little comeback, and you were good with the glove and throwing in the field, maybe better so than somebody else, then the coach would switch out that player and they would send you in. I was a defensive replacement, a second baseman, which means... Late in the game, if we were up by a couple, the coach was going to put me into second, thinking my defense would be better than the defense we had in the game, and it would maybe help us hold the lead. Now he wasn't going to put me in in the first inning because basically he was saying, "Tom, you're not going to get us a lead, so but you can help us hold the lead when it gets to the end of the game." And so that was my role. I was a defensive replacement uh, that year, and I would come in, like I said. Eighth inning, ninth inning, sometimes, and the game was often fairly short uh, for me. And then my senior year, I finally got some starting time, and uh, I didn't start at the beginning of the season. But by the time we hit conference, I was playing every day at second base and playing every game. And I actually went from a guy that was kind of a a, a non-hitter, a scrub hitter, really, to batting 340 my senior year. Now, when I look back on it, I'd ask you, where was the greater purpose in my four years? At, as an APU baseball player, you could say, well, it was your senior year was a greater purpose because you got to start. And I'd say, no, I had the same purpose all four years. I played a role on that team, a role that needed to be played on that team that somebody was gonna play, and it was my turn to play those roles. I had purpose all four years. You know, you have purpose when it comes to the kingdom. When it comes to the kingdom of God, you have Purpose. Now, I, I love what the, the Free Methodists actually use this phrase. It's, it's, you might have know it, um, but it's "to know him and make him known." Have you ever heard that? To know him and make him known." It's a purpose statement. And really, every believer has that same purpose that I just read: to know him and make him known." That is our purpose. Now, some of you can get up on this stage and you can sing and you can play an instrument like we just heard for the last half hour or so, right? Um, I would not be allowed to get up there and and do that because, you know, I know the verse says make a joyful noise to the Lord, um, but I I guess I don't qualify in in that camp. So, except for the cowbell, the one week, yes, thank you. But we all have a different role, but our purpose is the same. When I read about Paul, and he goes town to town, and he preaches, and he shares, and he argues, and and Paul is a very, very intelligent, educated person, and when he shares about God's word, and thousands come, guess what? I have the same purpose that Paul's has. Maybe I can do what Paul did, maybe I can't, maybe you can, maybe you can't, but the same purpose is there. Rick Warren, uh, or as it says in your notes, Rock Warren, I don't know, maybe that's a nickname, no, I don't know. Rick Warren in his book, Purpose Driven Lies, he says it this way. We were made by God and for God. And until you understand that, life will never make any sense. I think most of us know the by God part. But did you know the for God part? You're made for him. That's our purpose, and we're all the same. And so we're going to look at this morning, we're going to look at these three lessons from Paul, the, the end of Paul's life, really. And I would love if we could crank through all the way from, from Acts 20 all the way through 28 and look at all the verses. Um, but I, I know I would still be talking, and you will have left by then. So we're just going to look at a little bit. But uh, Paul talks about purpose is really what he's talking about in these three things. So we're going to start Acts chapter 20. If you have your Bibles, uh, open up. Now, there'll be some verses on the screen. I'm actually going to read some additional verses there as well. So if you've got your Bible, just open up to that. You know, if you, if you don't have your Bible, it won't be on the screen. So just, you know, just sit and smile and look good while I read the extra verses uh, this morning. We're going to start off with this phrase. Our purpose reveals your paths. Our purpose reveals paths. Where are you going? Where are you headed? A purpose reveals that. And so Acts chapter 20, we get a little bit of this story of, of Paul here. Pick it up in verse 17. Uh, from Miletus, Paul sent, for, to, uh, sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, and he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears, although I was severely tested by the plot of the Jews. Now hold right there for a second. Let's just recap last couple weeks when we talked about Paul. When he launched out and he started to preach, he was persecuted, right? But he had incredible success at the same time. It was kind of his biography. He'd go to one town, people would be converted, lots of people would believe, they'd follow him, and then some angry people would come in jealous and they'd beat him up, right? And then he'd move on to the next town and the next town and this thing just just continued to happen. Paul was so incredibly zealous for the mission that he went hard. That's really what he's recapping in what he's saying there. All right, pick it up, verse 20. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. One more pause there. Remember, Paul is the one that was persecuting Christians. He had the greatest reputation for persecuting Christians. And yet he just shares this truth of what he's been doing. It's amazing. I mean, can you think about people who would have never been able to wrap their head around the idea that somebody who persecuted was now preaching and, and making a stand for Christ? That would be hard. In fact, sometimes we do it to each other. When we think of somebody who was once addicted to something, and then they come clean, and it's almost like we never can quite understand that God can transform somebody here and make them this. And so when they're over here, we have this kind of hesitancy. Well, we'll see. You know, well, I'll kind of believe it when I see it. We'll see how it plans out. See if it really gets there. And we've never given call it the benefit of the doubt or whatever, we've never allowed that the Holy Spirit has done a work in their life. Paul, radically, radically transformed. Pick it up in verse 22. And now, Paul's talking, compelled by the Holy Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. So what's Paul saying? saying, He's coming kind of to the end of his journey. We know it's the end because we have the Bible and we can read the rest of the story, right? But we're coming down to it here where he feels compelled to go to Jerusalem. Why? Why does he even need to return to Jerusalem? Well, see, Paul, when he was originally sent out, and we especially see it in the third missionary journey, which we read a bit about, Paul went out to collect funds for the poor and for the widows. And so he's returning those funds To Jerusalem. Now, could he have sent him with somebody else? Sure, he could have sent him with somebody else and kind of saved himself, but he felt compelled that he was the one led by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem and to deliver this. Why is this such a big, big deal? Well, you see, Paul, along the way, had made a few enemies. Now, let me share with you a, a few groups that are at play here. First of all, you have the Jewish people that don't believe in Jesus Christ. These are the people that Paul has been going and sharing with and trying to tell them about Jesus and have them believe on Jesus. You have a group of Jews that are still waiting for the Messiah. In fact, you do today uh, as well. This was a group that was not very happy with Paul. You see, Paul was once one of them. Now he's out preaching to the, for the opposition in their view. And so they were very angry with him about it. And for for them, Paul was a heretic. And so what would happen there is you would want to put that person to death, right? Just like Jesus. And so there was danger for Paul to go into Jerusalem because Jerusalem was the hub of the Jewish activity. It always had been, right? And so going into that town, was like going right into the camp of, you know, quote-unquote, the enemy for Paul, or certainly the person that thought he was the enemy. That was the big hub. But also remember, Paul, even though he was a Roman citizen, from town to town, he seemed to kick up a little bit of ruckus everywhere he went with these Roman towns. And even though we understand that it wasn't necessarily that Paul was doing anything to break the law, we talked about this last week, But when he would go into these places, Antioch, it happened in Iconium, it happened in Lystra, it happened in Philippi, it happened in Ephesus, there was this ruckus and big thing that was kicked up. I mean, in Ephesus, there was a a near riot that happened, and what's the common denominator in each of those situations? Paul was in town when it happened. So you could see the Romans saying, look, I don't, he didn't break any laws here, but where there's smoke, there's fire. There's something going on. So they weren't too happy with him, right? And the Romans, they had to have a mainstay location in Jerusalem. Why? Well, because it was the hub of Jewish activity there. And the Romans, they kind of let the Jews do their own religious thing as long as it didn't disobey the Roman law. And, but they had to keep a pretty close eye. So they had a pretty strong contingency in Jerusalem as well. But then you also had these Jewish Christians, these people that believed on Jesus Christ, right? You had the 120 we talked about a couple weeks ago that had now swelled and expanded. And guess where many of them are located as well? Right in Jerusalem. And it's true that this is their guy. I mean, Paul is out preaching and ministering about Jesus Christ. But remember, there's some of them that even thought, wow, can you go to non-Jews and share about Jesus Christ? We feel really weird about this. And so you had that contingency as well among even the believers in Jesus Christ. All of this is going on in Jerusalem. It's like the hub of all of them. Now, you might think of like uh, Chicago O'Hare Airport, right? And it's the hub for United Airlines. You know, you kind of know that. You see these commercials, big United and and stuff. Uh, But you may not know it's also um, the hub for, uh, what's the name of this here, for Air Choices 1. I've never even heard of it. Air Choices 1 has four airplanes, and it flies to five cities. So it's kind of a small hub for that location. So you think about it being, Jerusalem being like the hub of Jewish activity is today, but we don't always think about it. It's still the hub of some of these others as well, and Paul had a little bit of problems, you know, all the way around, but he felt compelled. This is where I need to go. This is where I need to share, and so he went. Why? Purpose. You see, Paul felt like when he was sent out with a purpose, this is what you need to go do on this missionary journey, he was going to complete that journey. You see, purpose reveals your path. If you have purpose in your life and you're clear on your purpose, then that often reveals to you where you're going to go in life what decisions and what it's going to look like. I'm going to go here. I'm going to take this job. I'm going to go to this church. You know, I'm going to meet these, these people so that I can. Purpose dictates those type of things. It's amazing that when we find purpose, we often find depth in our Christian life as well. It goes hand in hand. That when we go deep with God, purpose is revealed to us even more clear on what our purpose is. Sometimes in life, we think, I haven't discovered my purpose yet. I don't know what my purpose is. What we're really saying is, I'm not quite sure of my calling. I'm not sure of my role. But your purpose has been declared to you by your God since the beginning, to know him, to be connected with him in a deep, real way, and then to make him known, to share him with other people through relationships is really the best way. You know, my father-in-law often says something, or when we've talked, he said this, and I'm just going to steal this from him. He says, what's the secret to going deeper? What's the secret? Say yes more. Say yes to God more. That's the secret of going deeper. You don't need to read any incredible books, except for God's word, but just say yes to God more. When God says, look, it's time for you to surrender in this area, you just say, yeah, I'll do that, God. Time for you to go here? Yeah, I'll do that. God, I don't have time for this, but that person's kind of calling on me and I feel the tug? Yes, Lord, I'll do that. Um, God, I really would not like to tithe. (laughs) I don't even know if I believe in it. And God says, this is what I've called you to do. You know, we say yes more. I'll say yes to that. Whatever it is, we say yes. That's the secret of going deeper. Evaluate your yeses. And you've probably evaluated your depth. Let's look at this next thing that we learned from Paul, um, that purpose, it develops your pursuits. Do you have any pursuits in life? I mean, things that you're going after? Now, I know for me, when I saw this pretty redhead across campus, um, I was in pursuit uh, almost immediately. Uh, you know, I've told you some of the stories of, of what I tried to do to connect with her. I, I'm careful not to tell you all the stories because I think you'll put me in the stalker category. But I really tried to create this opportunity that I would get to know Cherie. And, uh, you know, seven year, teen years running, it's paid off pretty well. But I know I was in pursuit. Now, I wish she was in pursuit of me as quickly as I was in pursuit of her, but... But no, no, it's, it, it, it wasn't. In fact, I'll tell you a story. That she was talking with her brother one time, and, and I mean, I'm in full pursuit now. I'm strategizing on all kinds of things on how, you know, I can happen to be here and we can have, you know, whatever. She's talking to her brother, and, um, and my name comes up, right, because I think she knew I was in pursuit. So, and, uh, and uh, well, um, and he said, well, do you, you know, you think you really like him? kind of just assuming, you know, because my name came up that she wouldn't. She goes, no, not really. (laughs) It was, you know, okay. Now, I didn't hear this conversation. I was told this later on. So the pursuit was not equivalent from the beginning, um, but I won in the end. So (laughs) we spend a lot of time and energy on pursuits, don't we? We do. I mean, it's amazing the things we pursue and we run after in life. Some are just like collectibles. I mean, we run after, we pursue, we pursue, so we can have, what, the whole set of something? Or we can have something that maybe we remembered when we were a kid, or I don't know. But we pursue all kinds of things. Now, in the incredible classic cinematography, I'm not sure why um, Sheriff Buford T. Justice pursued the bandit. But he certainly did, from Texarkana all the way to Atlanta, to arrest, and then in two more movie sequels after that, um, we pursue all kinds of things. For what purpose? For what reason? What purpose is there in pursuit? Well, Paul says here, look, if I'm locked into who God is, if I'm locked into my relationship, if I'm locked into my purpose, then my pursuits are before me. They're like, they like lying out there in front of me. Let me take a look, uh, share with you a little bit about this passage. If you got your Bible still, chapter 20, verse 24 here. Paul's talking, and, and let me just read the first two verses. He says, However, I consider my life worth nothing for me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's name. That's Paul's pursuit. I mean, what is Paul really saying there in this? He's, he's saying he's got two pursuits is what he's just saying in this verse. Number one, it, to live the Christian life well is one of his pursuits. That if he has this purpose in his life called by God, then to actually live the Christian life well Is significant to Paul. It's one of his pursuits. And when I say live the Christian life well, it doesn't just mean that we get to church on Sunday mornings, we have our nice hour, maybe have some lunch with some good Christian folk, and then head back on our way and kind of forget about all this stuff for the week. It means living the Christian life well. It's this life of holiness. It's taking God's word and saying, I'm going to plug this into my life every day, and I'm going to trust that. There's better life because of it. John 10.10, those were the words of Jesus. By living this out every day of my life. That means when I turn and I look at my spouse, instead of letting whatever uh, worldliness rises up within me, I'm gonna say, what does God's word say about how I treat my spouse and how I serve my spouse? Because I just trust that there's better life in it if I'd follow it. That's what Paul's talking about. Living the Christian life Well, living to the fullest. Now we all know somebody, or we are that person, or we've been that person. I certainly have. That is really gung ho during the church service, or they're gung ho during the Christian conversation, but you hardly can see any evidence of it at other points in their life. Right? Paul is saying that's that's not my purpose. That's not my pursuit. My pursuit here, and he even uses the word in his writings of sanctification. You know, it's to grow deep and to know him in an intimate way, but to let that spill over in my actions every day, to live the Christian life well. He's got another pursuit, though. He just shared it as well when he said the word testifying, and that's to leave the Christian life with others, and that's to make sure other people know this Christian life. You see, somebody who would say, look, uh, my Christianity, I'm a believer, but that's kind of all private. I don't ever really share that kind of stuff. You know, Paul would have an issue with that person, (laughs) and being so zealous, Paul would have a nice conversation, I'm sure, with that person as well. Paul is saying, look, it's not the way it works when we're talking about purpose. When we have purpose, we have a pursuit, And and one of the pursuits that is in front of us is the pursuit for other people to know who Jesus Christ is. Now, Take all of the horrible preaching images that you've ever seen on TV, the news, and those type of things. You can chuck those out the windows because that's not exactly what we're called to go and do. Now, I believe certain people are called in certain ways. I don't understand the calling, but I'll talk with God about it when I get there. Um, But I do know I have this calling as Paul to leave the Christian life with others. For me, it works best with relationships, just opening up a little conversation, a little relationship, a little give here and there to open the door up, and then eventually we have the opportunity to talk a little bit about Jesus. Or eventually something goes on in their life and they're like, how do you deal with these type of things? I say, well, let me tell you about God. And we talk about that but Paul is passionate about leaving the Christian life with others. He's so passionate about it. We talked about this last week that he would get stoned and left in a pit to die, and yet he'd arise and he'd walk back into the city ready to share the good news some more. That's pretty passionate type of zeal. Now, in the US, you don't really need to worry about being stoned that way, all right? But we do need to worry about sharing the faith. It's one of our pursuits in our Christian life and purpose reveals these type of pursuits. Let's look at one more uh, before we wrap up here. The final one, and we're going to find this in chapter 28. So you have to flip forward in your Bible. Is that purpose establishes your place in history? It really does. Purpose establishes your place in history. You see, Paul here, as he's finishing up, he's finishing pretty strong, right? He's sharing God's word. But let me tell you what happens. He goes into Jerusalem, right? And it was even against the counsel of the believers that were with him. And when he went into Jerusalem... First of all, he's arrested when he gets in Jerusalem. Now he knew this, the Holy Spirit had kind of even ministered to him that this was probably going to happen if he went in Jerusalem, and he did, he got arrested. He shares this big speech, this, this pretty amazing speech you can read about, um, and then he has to go before the Sanhedrin, that's kind of the, the, the Jewish council that is going to do a little trial, they're going to do a little investigation on their own. When that's all done, they have this plot to kill him. It doesn't work. Somehow Paul always slips through these plots, right? And then he's got to go before all the the Roman and and Greek people as well. He's got to go to Felix and Festus and Agrippa, and he has these trials. And really what's happening here is everyone's kind of afraid of him because he's a Roman citizen, and so they send him to somebody else, and they send him to somebody else, and on and on. But they don't really know what to do, and they're a bit afraid of the Jewish people as well, And so eventually, uh, he's sent on to Rome, gets in a boat, and heads on to Rome. And guess what happens? There's a shipwreck while he's out there, and they land on, on the island of Malta. And wouldn't you know it, while he's there, Paul is out preaching the word right away. And he's sharing with other people, and he's well taken care of while he's there. Eventually, he does get to Rome, and he goes under house arrest, where the story in the book of Acts ends with him being under house arrest, for 2 years. Now, you would think by then, being in house arrest, hey, it's kind of over, Paul, you know, the gigs up here. But Paul just keeps sharing. Take a look at the at the very end here in verse 30 of chapter 28. For 2 whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. Boldly and without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ that's the end of the book of Acts, that Paul just continues on here and sharing. If you have your Bibles, take a look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 20 and 21. It's in your notes as well. But Paul writes these words while he is under arrest in Rome. This is what he says, "...I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed." But will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. All the way up to the very end, in arrest in Rome, Paul's sharing the word. Why? Purpose. His purpose is so clear. To know him, to make him known, it was so central to Paul. That he was sharing even there at the end, even awaiting, wondering, am I going to be able to continue life or will I be put to death at some point? Now, at the very end of the video here, you saw this morning where they shared about Paul returning and being put in, in prison, in a dungeon-style prison, and then executed for his faith. Now, that's part of Christian tradition. It's well-documented with some historians, but we don't find that, that actually in God's word. But it's commonly accepted by historians that Paul was executed and martyred for his faith. Think then about Paul's place in history. We have this book of Acts that we read about. And about half this book chronicles Paul's journeys. We've been reading about several of them. And then we have these epistles, these letters that Paul writes that we are able to read that start right after this, you know, in Romans, 1 Corinthians, and, and on and on. And then think about that Paul is willing to go all the way to the point of death and be martyred for the faith. What kind of place in history does that put Paul? Pretty significant place in history. In fact, we find that all the early disciples, save one, went out and were martyred for their faith. That puts a place in history. Why? Because they're willing to die? I don't know if it's necessarily because they were martyred, I think it was because they're willing to make a stand while they were alive and share all the way till the end. Why? Purpose. They understood their purpose. Every single one of us here has the same purpose, to know him, to make him known to other people. Now, we don't live in a time where it's illegal to share your faith. Yet the calling is just as strong for each of us and our purpose is just the same. I would ask you this morning what do you think if you were to pass today, what's your place in history look like? Now I assume there'll be a group of people that will remember you and at your funeral they'll say wonderful nice things about you. Most of the funerals I do, that happens. But I wonder as they're talking about you in that way, if your place in history, if the thing they'll remember the most, the impact will be how you shared and lived out Christ. You see, that would I think be the ultimate goal of a believer, to be remembered and have a place in history on how we shared and lived out Christ. In fact, it's the takeaway this morning if you fill that in. The question is this, this, for you to take away and think about, what kind of impact will your life make in the name of Jesus? What type of impact you see, we live in a culture that is really, at its core, let's face it, we're pretty narcissistic, right? I mean, we think about ourselves, we do for ourselves, we build for ourselves over the course of our life, we design our life really around ourselves. And when you say, oh, no, but I'm doing it for my kids as well, that's ourselves, okay? We, we focus on our own little world for most of our life. And somewhere along the way, we actually design that and we think that, and we fool ourselves into saying that is our purpose. That's what it is. And God saying, no, I've got such, such a more significant purpose for you to impact. Use your life to impact in the name of Jesus. What's, what would it look like for you? And finally, the question would be, uh, when are you ready to start? See, the purpose is there before you. In fact, Christ would be ready right here today to, to not only show you clearly that purpose, but to say, let's launch out and let's be a part of it starting even now. Well, when are you ready to start? A couple years back, I told you that I went to one of our, our big pastoral conferences, right? And uh, I looked around and I thought, we've got a lot of, we've got a lot of outer-shaped pastors. <laughs> By a significant amount is what I, I thought. That's my kind way of saying it. Um, and I looked out there and I was impacted because I said, you know, Tom, you're not too doing too hot yourself. You know, I was up, up close to 195, which is as much as I'd ever weighed. And uh, yeah, I, I remember running up the stairs a couple times and like breathing pretty hard at the top of the stairs. Uh, I say running, but I probably walked. And, uh, and so I said, all right, I'm going to do something about this. I am going into exercise mode. I'm going into diet mode. I'm buying the books. I'm joining the gym. I did nothing for six months. <laughs> it's really six months before I, I did anything. And I finally went to one workout class and I'm literally not 10 minutes in and I've got my head over the toilet you know, ready to, to throw up um, is how bad I felt. But we got started. It took me six months to get started, six months to do anything. yet that whole six months I talked about you know oh those those out of shape pastors you know and it took me six months. When are you ready to start? You see, for many of us, I think the story is the same. We get a little excited about our purpose and our meaning that God has called for us, but we go right back in the life that has been designed around us as the purpose, starting this afternoon. And we forget really, really fast. When are you ready to start? It's not just going to happen. You have to be intentional about it. But the reward, it's incredible when we get going on that journey. Next week, we're going to talk, and we're finishing this series, and we're going to talk a little bit about end times. And so I'd encourage you to come and and, uh, be a part of that next week as we look at not just the book of Revelation, but uh, really where does this whole New Testament lead us to. Um, But this week I want to pray for you and I want to pray for somebody who maybe your eyes have just been opened a little bit Just to the idea of purpose in general that God has a purpose for you to know him to make him known And I want to pray for you for others of you. I want to pray for you that you're like man That's nothing new to me Tom. I've heard that many times I know that I could preach that sermon myself, but you haven't done anything about it And I want to pray for you time to stand up be active, do something about it, either right here in our walls here at this church or in your neighborhood or the people you come in contact with. And I wanna pray for you in that area as well. If you're one of those two people, then uh, God hears a lot of voices at one time. It's one of his gifting. So I would just pray that you could go before him and just, just pray, however you wanna pray, whatever words, however you say it, uh, talk to him about it as I'm praying. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for purpose. Lord, I, I don't really know what life would be like if I felt like I was leading it with no purpose at all, no meaning. I, I assume, Lord, it's why so often uh, we find out uh, uh, the suicide rates among teenagers They start reaching a point of their life when they wonder, is there any purpose? And sadly, so many have bought into the idea that there is none. Father, would you make it just so abundantly clear, Lord, even if it's just one person in here who's never thought about it, that you have given us purpose. You obviously love us as our God, but Lord, beyond just loving us and, and wanting to, to be near us and around us, Lord, you've designed us to, to go out and to do something. And there's such joy in being active in our purpose. And so I pray for that person that it's new information, that they could own it and receive it. Our eyes would be open to something brand new in their life today. And then, Lord, I know there's many others, Lord, that have heard about purpose a long time. In fact, maybe many in here that have read that book I talked about from Rick Warren at the beginning. And, And so they know about purpose. They understand. They got the definition down. And they understand how it plays into this God thing. But, Lord, they just had a hard time stepping out of their own purpose that they've created in their life to do the purpose you've designed us for. Lord, it might be as simple as there's somebody in their life they've just hesitated opening up a relationship so they could share you. Our Lord, maybe it's been as as simple as, they've they've just been mismanaged on the time to be able to open up your word daily and learn a little bit more about you. The list can go on and on, Lord. I don't know what it is. But Father, for that person, I pray, this could be a start, this could be a day that when the question is, when are you ready to start, they would say, right here, right now, I'm ready to start. Own my purpose, surrender to it, and get out there and do it. And Lord we'll trust you in each of it we pray in your son's name. Amen.